Welcome to Discovery with Babbitt Ranches. Discovery is all things cowboy essence, people at their best, accomplishing extraordinary achievements. Hi, I'm Billy Cordasco, broadcasting from the Hashknife Studio. As we celebrate 135 years in operation at Babbitt Ranches and think about what we stand for, it's important to remember where we came from and the people and values that helped shape this land company from the beginning. I'd like to take you back to the 1600s and the days of promise for a better life in the new world. We all have this promise in our history that we can tap into as we dream and hope and plan for a bright future. Our story begins with 12-year-old Edward Babbitt, the early spelling of Babbitt, B-O-B-E-T. Edward was among those eager to step aboard one of those early sailing vessels in the days of the Mayflower. Babbitt family historian Jim Babbitt offers some insight. I imagine Edward as a skinny kid, alive and driven by a wild dream and an intense focus for how to achieve it. England in the 1600s was not a nice place for those who lacked wealth, kids like Edward. He decided early on his destiny was much greater. Jim Babbitt is a 13th generation Babbitt in the New World, a descendant of Edward Babbitt. In a moment, we'll hear more from Jim and the story and heart of what it means to go west, young man. Discovery with Babbitt Ranches recognizes the Babbitt Brothers Foundation a nonprofit organization created to embrace the past and participate with others to promote health, education, science, the arts, historic preservation, and to encourage healthy lifestyles, healthy families, and healthy communities. Getting back to our story, life was difficult for most people living in England 400 years ago. But embarking on an unpredictable and perilous journey across the ocean to an unfamiliar land was not an easy choice either. Joining me is Jim Babbitt. He's done a lot of research on the Babbitt family and the years leading up to the pioneering days of the Old West. Good morning, Billy. Uh, It's great to be with you here in the studio. And yes, we've all heard the stories of the early explorers in the New World, the pilgrims and the hardships they faced. But if you try to put yourself in their situation, imagine the fear of the unknown, the dangers of the sea, unforeseen risks ahead in an undeveloped territory, tales of hostile people and warring tribes in this unknown place. It may all sound very scary, certainly a life without much of the comforts of home and family, and risking everything. But for some, it meant a better life. Edward Babbitt was one of those early adventurers, and he was not even a teenager yet. The year was 1639. Only 19 years earlier, the first hardy band of English Puritans had come ashore at Plymouth Rock. Edward Babbitt had grown up hearing the stories about adventure. We don't know much about him, but we can imagine what life was like. I think in England, uh, it was a very difficult life. It was crowded, oppressive, disease-ridden, and the working class was uh, oppressed, low wages, hard work. In other words, I think it was a a situation that many people who emigrated to the New World were anxious to escape. So Edward got himself on board one of those ships to the New World. Now, there weren't comfortable cruise ships or luxury liners. What do you think sea travel was like in those days? Oh, my gosh. 
hard to imagine, but I think it was, uh, for example, after weeks or even months at sea, Edward probably could hardly wait to clamber down the drenched deck of the little sailing vessel into the even smaller landing boat, tossing about in the frothy tide below him. And the journey, I think, in a crowded hold of a ship, rocking on the waves, sometimes bad weather, sometimes disease, probably poor food, and I'm sure even death on some of those crossings of the Atlantic to the New World. Plymouth was a more habitable place than when the Mayflower made its first trip over in 1620, but it was still a rugged, pioneering community. And the future site of Taunton, some 30 miles through the dark forest to the west, and still virtually uninhabited. It was at this forbidding place that Edward Bobbitt and his fellow pioneers settled. Well, Jim, what would these new Americans be faced with? Well, I think their introduction to the new world would be quite harsh. Backbreaking labor, constant danger from Native Americans who saw these new arrivals as an intrusion and a threat. Young Edward's first order of business would have been survival, basically learning how to become a farmer. Within a few years, as a teenager, he was signed up as a soldier in the military. If we fast forward to 1652, Edward would have been 42 years old. That's right. And in 1652, Edward was a middle-aged man and brought his first six acres of farmland. He then married Sarah Tarn, and they built their home on the edge of the forest. Eventually, they acquired several hundred acres of land. They had 11 children. They learned how to live peacefully with their native neighbors. And although Edward was primarily a farmer, he also worked in the growing iron industry. They became prominent citizens of the community. So life in the New World was going well for Edward. Well, yes, I think so, for quite a few years. But by the time Edward was in his mid-60s, the relationship between the Native American tribes and the settlers had grown tense, and there were deadly battles. Edward moved the family closer to the safety of a larger settlement, but got into trouble when he went back to check on the animals and crops. He heard drums and the terrifying sounds of a war party in the woods. He climbed a tree to try to hide in the thick summer foliage and would have been safe except that his dog stationed himself under the tree and barked and growled, and that's how he was found and killed. Sure does sound terrifying. Well, yes, that's right, but uh, 10 of the Babbitt children lived on. Their children started manufacturing and mercantile uh, dynasties in several eastern seaboard colonies. They became farmers, ministers, merchants, lawyers, physicians, and tradesmen. We Americans tend to forget about the struggles involved in transplanting to the North American continent. The Babbitt family experience is a good example. From the landing of Edward Babbitt on the Massachusetts shore in 1639 to the signing of the Declaration of Independence in 1776, 137 years had elapsed. By the time another 137 years had passed, the Babbitt brothers of Flagstaff were in the midst of a bustling economic activity in northern Arizona. Taking a step back to the 1800s, a young man named David W. Babbitt was the first Babbitt 
to venture out to what was considered the far west. That was Cincinnati, Ohio. He married a German girl, Catherine Marie Spellmeyer. Their children became the adventurous Babbitt brothers who came to the high country of the Arizona Territory. But before they headed to the Arizona Territory, these Babbitt brothers operated the family grocery store in Cincinnati. Excited customers would share wild stories of the West. I can imagine what that must have been like as trappers and explorers would rush in full of stories of the Wild West that would spark the sense of adventure in these young men. Yes, and all of America really at that time was looking westward, it seemed. Young men by the thousands were pulling up stakes and heading for the Dakotas, Washington, Wyoming, New Mexico, and Arizona. The Government's Homestead Act helped to settle the West and was probably too tempting to refuse. There were tales of fabulous fortunes to be made in mining, lumbering, trading, and ranching. And with the railroads crossing the country, the journey was easier and much more comfortable than ever before. All right, so there was this one snowy evening in particular that had such a transformative effect on the five Ohio brothers. That's right. It was February of 1884, just as the brothers were about to close the grocery store for the evening. A messenger from the far west appeared, a traveling salesman named Jim Vesey. His mustache glistened with ice. His overcoat was dusted with snow his head bursting with images of recent adventures in the West. Four of the five Babbitt brothers were there. They stopped what they were doing and all gathered around the store's warm pot-bellied stove to hear from the salesman. Dave was 26, George was 24, Billy 21, and Charlie, or CJ, was just 19. VC raved about the bustling new cow towns the fortunes being made, and the excitement of it all. So, just like their ancestor, Edward Babbitt, these young men heard the calling of the West. You bet. The five brothers were so excited about the promises of the West, they read everything they could, promotional materials and letters from friends. By March of 1884, they had a plan. They were prepared to gamble everything the grocery store, the house, the family farm. The brothers decided to send David, the oldest, and Billy, the second youngest, westward on a scouting trip. They had several goals as they boarded the train. They wanted to see if all of the amazing claims they had heard were true. They were hoping to connect with folks who could help them get established out west. But most of all, they wanted to find the ideal place where they could launch a cattle ranching business. Yes, and that's very interesting to me because the brothers had never been in the ranching business before. They had been in the grocery and mercantile business in Cincinnati. The Babbitt brothers did, though, want to be cowboys. On April 7th, 1886, David and Billy took the train to Flagstaff. From the train depot, Flagstaff sure must have seemed like a pretty uncivilized place to these well-dressed young men. The downtown was a series of wooden shanties, and there were some pretty tough characters, bear trappers, lumberjacks, and miners, who populated the area. The brothers were no doubt starting to get the true picture of life in the West. 
And to make matters worse, when they were stepping off the train in Flagstaff that cold April morning, the whole little town had recently burned to the ground. So David surveyed the landscape and turned and said to his brother, don't even unpack your bags, Billy. We're certainly not staying here long. Indeed, Flagstaff gave a rough first impression. But David and Billy were able to meet up with the town doctor, who was very connected in professional circles. He showed them around and introduced them to ranchers and businessmen. The brothers had $20,000 to buy a herd of cattle, which must have seemed like a fortune in those days. And it was. It was a great start for them. But remember, they were willing to put everything on the line for this new way of life. For $17,000, they bought more than 800 head of cattle and secured the services of a seasoned ranch boss and an experienced cowboy. They began the process of branding the cattle with the C.O. Bar brand, a sentimental reminder of their hometown, Cincinnati, Ohio. It sure is fun to remember the high energy of the time the excitement, the optimism, and the willingness to take a gamble. They also happened to marry a few sisters. Well, yes, that's right. Three of the brothers married three of the Verkamp family, a German family from Hanover in Germany, who uh, happened to live across the street from them on Price Hill in Cincinnati. So there was one romantic union, then two, and then three. So the girls father, uh, all of a sudden found himself with three new sons-in-law who were brothers and who were bent on this huge plan of going to the West to be cowboys. So old Mr. Verkamp certainly wanted to fund this project uh, on behalf of his, his daughters. So they came West and bought the cattle herd and spent his $17,000, and got into the ranching business. But old Mr. Verkamp always thought the ranching business was somewhat speculative and financially insecure, which it certainly was in those days, uh, given the fact that uh, beef prices went up and down, uh, droughts were prevalent, weather was an issue all the time. So he urged the young brothers to, uh, now that they were established in Flagstaff, to go back to their roots, do something a little bit more stable and secure, and that meant going into the mercantile business again. So the brothers took his advice, along with more of his money, and built the building we are sitting in today, uh, the Babbitt Brothers building, one block from the railroad track in downtown Flagstaff. To Dave and Billy Babbitt, the pioneer spirit was wildly intoxicating. They could hardly imagine returning to their predictable life in Cincinnati. So they sent an exhilarating message to their brothers back home. It read, we have found the future. Hurry on out and be a part of it. Well, and this, of course, was the start of what became an era of a lot of industriousness. Yes, the brothers continued to build a ranch with operations in Arizona, California, Kansas, and ultimately also in Montana, and at one time had some 50,000 head of cattle. 
they became involved in many other business ventures from trading posts on the Native American reservations to funeral homes, meatpacking plants, an ice house, and on and on. They had an influence on cultivating the arts, advancing scientific research, including forestry, promoting public education, and shaping public policy. Hmm. Well, these values, perseverance and cooperation, working together, honesty, integrity, industriousness, the cowboy essence that shaped history from the time of Edward Babbitt certainly is still alive and well today. It's about people being the best they can be. We can look to our past and we can see examples all around us. In all aspects of our communities, school teachers, doctors, firefighters, recreationists, students, family members at home, all demonstrating cowboy essence that propels us forward. Well, thank you, Jim, for joining Discovery with Babbitt Ranches and giving us a glimpse into our colorful heritage. It's been a pleasure doing this. I've never done a podcast before. It's always fun to imagine what life was like for our forefathers and how their imaginations manifested into the place we now know and love as Northern Arizona. Thank you for joining Discovery with Babbitt Ranches. You've been listening to historian Jim Babbitt from the Babbitt Brothers Building in downtown Flagstaff. Discovery with Babbitt Ranches acknowledges the Babbitt Brothers Foundation, a nonprofit organization operating with others to benefit the community through the arts, history, science, education, and health. Discovery with Babbitt Ranches is a monthly podcast exploring all things cowboy essence and land stewardship, conservation, science, agriculture, recreation, business, and community. From the Hash Knife Studio, I'm Billy Cardasco.